This is Real Business in Real Time with executive coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Learn what C-suite execs and business leaders have learned in the real-time, real-world school of hard knocks. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Hinderleiter. Welcome to Real Business in Real Time. I'm delighted today to have two guests that I've known for about 15 years, Dr. Denny Coates and Meredith Bell, who are partners in Performance Support Systems. So let me introduce Denny. Denny is the CEO of Performance Support Systems. Dr. Coates has published articles, books, online programs for workplace communication skills for over 30 years. These award-winning brain-based assessment and learning programs have been used by millions of people worldwide. Denny's a graduate of West Point, retired from the United States Army as Lieutenant Colonel. Denny, thank you for your service. And he is a PhD from Duke University and served on faculties of the United States Military Academy, Armed Forces Staff College, the College of William and Mary, and the Center for Creative Leadership. Denny, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Meredith Bell is an entrepreneur since 1982. Meredith is an expert in helping companies develop the people side of the business. As president and co-founder of Performance Support Systems, a global software company, she's worked with thousands of business leaders, human resource professionals, talent and learning executives, entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches like me. Meredith is the host of the popular Strong for Performance podcast, which I've had the pleasure to be a guest on. I I highly recommend it. And she is also a frequent guest on podcasts where she addresses topics such as communication skills for the workplace, the benefits of focusing on giving and being of service and what's required to develop positive habits and skills over time. Meredith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. I'm excited about being here with you. Absolutely. So, uh, Denny and Meredith have co-authored a book that I have read and highly recommend called Connect With Your Team. Uh, Give me the punchline, Meredith. Ten skills. Mastering the top ten communication skills. Thank you for that. And I highly recommend it because, as I've told Denny and Meredith and written in reviews, when I was a young manager back in the 1980s, I knew how to talk, but I didn't know how to have, you know, really good business kind of conversations that help communicate, that help develop people, that help collaborate. I just learned on the fly, and it took me a while to do that. So I'm really eager to kind of dig into this book because I think it's, it's a great handbook for leadership, frankly. So let me just ask you first, what inspired this, this book? Well, you know, over the years, there have been many books on interpersonal communication. Matter of fact, the first book I ever read about this uh, was about 50 years ago. (laughs) I was attending a course in Munich, Germany about group facilitation and coaching, and it was about a six-week course, so it was very rich. And one of the books that they used as a reference was PET, Parent Effectiveness Training. And of course, a sequel to that book many years later was uh, Leader Effectiveness Training. And that's the first time that I became aware that listening could be a skill. And active listening was the term. Okay. And, and it's still used today. Of course, there are a lot of other terms. 
Stephen Covey calls it listening to understand. Right. And I love that. That's my favorite term for it. But, and of course, there have been many good books written about listening. But the, the inspiration for this book, essentially, it was that there are many more skills besides listening. In fact, over the years, we've, we've determined there, there are about three dozen really important interpersonal skills. And many of our products uh, deal with these. But that's a lot. It is. So we decided that we should uh, pick the most important ones. And so we have what we call the top 10. And they are important. I think uh, if a person could improve and begin to master even half of these skills, it would change everything in that person's workplace relationships. So that's why we chose to focus on 10 instead of just one. I mean, you can write a very fine book about one skill. In fact, um, one of my favorite books is by Mark Golston called Just Listen. That's an yeah, awesome book, book about listening. Okay. So you can do that. But that's not what we wanted to do. So focusing on the 10 meant, well, it needs to be very focused on the how-to. And in other words, how do you listen well? What are the elements of listening to understand, for example? And so we wanted it to be a reference book, a guidebook, a sort, of a, sort of a paperback version of a coach. Yeah, yeah. So you could use it for encouragement and tips and how-to and illustrations of conversations that show the skill. And it, that would be enough to, to get you going. And then over time, when you're trying to make, make it a habit through listening, 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 or whatever, over and over until it becomes a skill, then you can use this as a reference. You can always go back to that chapter on the, that particular skill. So okay. we wanted this book to be kind of a manual, uh, a reference for the top 10 skills. Okay, appreciate that. So, and, Meredith, and Mark, I'd like to say ahead. one yeah. other thing about that, and that is over the years of organizations using our tools and us having worked with so many leaders and team contributors, there's just so much unnecessary pain around communication. And so another reason for writing this, you might say, is to alleviate some of the pain that people experience at work, some of the stress, some of the, you know, anxiety they have around how do I approach somebody about an issue? Because we don't get this kind of instruction in school. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important point for people to understand. This is a book they can go to that's going to give them some answers when they're struggling with how do I deal with this particular person or this particular situation? Yeah, I think I've said this to both of you. I, I think what's different about this book than the hundreds of other books I've read on leadership and communication, many of which were very, very good, is what I really liked about this was it was practical. You know, a lot of books, probably most books on leadership are pretty conceptual. You know, it's, it's ideas, it's concepts that are very good often, but they don't usually help you 
translate a concept into what Denny was talking about, a skill. It doesn't help us hardwire. I'm using terminology from you two that I've learned over the years. Concepts don't help us hardwire skills. So that's what I really appreciated about the book. Meredith, you've worked with people and organizations for a long time. What are the big gaps that you've seen in communication uh, just over your career? Uh, when you say gaps, do you mean where where people fall short in yeah. effectively connecting? <clears throat> well, I think one way to um, <laughs> approach that might be to talk about the chapters we put in the book. Okay. I think that that gets at a lot of those. And the number one, which, you know, Denny mentioned and you've mentioned is listening. That's like the foundational skill. People typically are not listening closely to really understand the other person, to help them feel respected. They're, they're waiting for their turn to talk. Yeah is the more common approach. So looking at what that is. And then some of the others, these next four are really unique, I think, to our book and the approach that we took, that there's not other books that have written about this. Number two chapter is coaching people to think for themselves. And the third one is related, which is guiding learning from experience. In both cases, it's learning how to ask questions that help people solve their own problems or come up with their own solutions instead of giving advice or telling, you know, or lecturing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really the hallmark of coaching. I've, I've been to a lot of coaching uh, seminars and, and not just seminars, but, but lengthy certification programs. And really the foundation of coaching is asking really good questions and helping people discover the answer themselves Mm-hmm. You know, um, if they can. And, and every once in a while, I, I'll offer advice uh, if people want it. But really, my job as a coach is to really help people discover, you know, the, the path forward for themselves. So I really appreciate coaching people to think for themselves and guiding learning from experience. Go ahead and kind of run through those 10 if you wouldn't mind. Sure. The next there. one, again, that's often overlooked in people connecting. So this all relates back to your question, what are the gaps? Getting buy-in for expectations. In other words, reaching agreements. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what I commit to do on the other side. People don't always do that. So there's expectations that aren't met because they were never clearly articulated to begin with or were never agreed upon by the person upon whom they were imposed. So that can create problems. And then the fifth chapter is one that also is really not talked about very much. And that's how to offer encouragement. Because again, a lot of people jump in when they see someone hurting or, you know, experiencing disappointment, they want to jump in and fix it. Right. But there's a way to offer encouragement that actually serves a much better purpose and is received much more in a welcome manner by the other person. And then the other chapters are expressing appreciation because we don't do that enough either. Giving feedback constructively, also accepting feedback graciously. So not just the giver, but how to receive it so that people are willing to, to speak up again. And then the ninth chapter is on engaging in dialogue and uh, the 10th one is resolving conflict creatively. 
You know, as, as I look at that list that you just ran down, Meredith, all of those are easy concepts to understand. And, and as I look at them at first blush, I think, so what's the big deal about that? But at second blush, based on my 35 years of experience, I don't see many of these done consistently very well. I, I just don't. Uh, and it took me a long time to, to get good at these things uh, through trial and error. And that's one of the things I appreciate about the book is if I were a young manager or uh, if I were a fairly new manager or been a manager for a while and haven't mastered these things, boy, I would I would have that thing dog-eared and, and highlighted and and it would have really accelerated my development, I guess is really what I'm trying to say. So let's dig into one of those. Denny, you were kind of talking about listen to understand. Why don't we do that well? And why does it matter so much? Well, it, it matters because the opportunities to listen happen like a hundred times a day. What we say is that listening is a component of the other, of the other nine skills. And when you get into that, you realize that that's true. Uh, for example, uh, engaging in dialogue, one of the steps in that skill is to ask a person, well, what do you think about this? What are your thoughts? And then they say what they're thinking. And it probably is going to be a, a little different from what you're thinking. And so your natural reaction is, is to question their judgment or to get into a debate or an argument. Uh, but really what you need to do is to hear them out. Yep. You really need to understand. And so that's uh, the, the listening becomes a component of dialogue. So I, I always say, learn, ma master that one first. Yeah. I mean, the book is, you could, if you wanted to, if you were that kind of person, you could read the book from cover to cover, all the, you know, and take the chapters in sequence. Uh, and the first three chapters, maybe you should do that because uh, they, they set you up for why you need to learn these skills. But once you get into the skills, then you could take the chapters in any order you want. Sure. But we recommend go ahead to, ch to chapter four, which is listening to understand, because it's so important. You know, as I, as I look at the list, Denny, it looks like the first brick in the foundation of, yes. of all of these skills. Right. Um, and the hardest one, probably the one that took me the longest to master, because for a long time, I listened to respond. Right. <laughs> I listened to have a better answer than you did. <laughs> um, and, and then somewhere along the line, uh, I just realized that that was not effective. Uh, you know, one of the uh, elements of listening as we know it and as we teach it in the book is expressing empathy. Yeah. Uh, when a person is coming at you with what they have to say, there is this element of, well, what, what are they trying to get at? But also, what feelings and emotions are being expressed along the way? And that may be a bigger part of the content. And so, yes, being tuned into the feeling content and then expressing empathy for that. In other words, 
you affirm what, you, what you're hearing. And so we see that as, as part of a skill. It's a sub-skill. And that you can learn to be better at expressing empathy, and there are steps to that. So Mark Golston's book, Just Listen, is tipped me off to this. And he gets into that and makes it, he basically says you need to, to walk a mile in another person's shoes. Yeah. And to do that, you have to kind of feel what they're feeling at that moment so that you know what they're trying to express. So that, that's uh, sensing and expressing empathy is, is a listening step that sometimes is left out of books about it. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you think about a manager or a leader's daily life, um, you know, there are a lot of barriers to listening to include being really busy, right? Lots of phone calls, lots of texts, lots of emails, lots of meetings. And so it's rush, 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 rush. Yeah. So really, we have to really be intentional about listening. Uh, otherwise, we just miss so many things. Denny, you said there are 100 opportunities to listen. Uh, I don't know how many of them we take, but it's not 100. I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, but this does look like kind of uh, the, the foundation. Many years ago, I uh, participated in Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, was certified to teach it. And, and uh, the way he said it, so it really caught my ear back in the day, was seek first to understand and then be understood. And so it's listen first uh, is what he was saying. And that's, that's what I hear you saying is listen first, but not just first, but to, to really understand where are people coming from? You know, Mark, uh, one of the mistakes that people make, even with good intentions, even if they know what they should be doing while listening or any of the other skills, is they miss the opportunity. And later they think, oh, man, you know, I, I didn't do that very well. I, I should have I listened the way I know how to listen. I didn't do it. And so what we've done in the book is – is included a, a step. It's actually step one of every single skill, and that is to recognize the moment. And there's a listening moment. And to understand the situation when you should be listening and to grab that and instead of uh, missing it. And we also have another element called the mindset. And so there is a certain way of, of thinking about other people that sets you up for listening or for any of the other skills. So we have a moment and a mindset for each of the 10 skills. Uh, in fact, it, we think that's so important, we summarize it as an appendix even at, in the back of the book. You know, recognize the moment really caught my attention. We have to have our antennas up, don't we, Meredith? To, exactly. to, to see that a moment is sitting in front of me. Yes, yes. And the other thing I would add related to listening, this is just another way of <clears throat> saying what Denny was getting at, is when you are talking to someone, you're, you're paying attention to the whole package. You know, the words are just one part of it. How they sound when they're saying the words, how they look when they're saying the words, if you've got the visual with them and you're not just talking on the phone. All of that sends a message to you, and then you have the opportunity to check and see if you're reading them correctly. And this is where I know I've gotten into trouble. We all get into trouble. We make assumptions that we are accurately interpreting 
what the person says and what they mean if they raise their voice or, you know, so they do something instead of checking it out first. So a key part of listening to me is having humility and not assume that you already know what the person's going to say or what they mean. So checking it out regularly does more than just help you understand. It helps the other person feel like, hey, they really care about what I'm saying because they're yeah. taking the time, they're making the effort to get the message correctly. Yeah. And I think that's huge. When we're talking about relationships at work, there are so many things that can chip away at the trust and the you know respect and just feeling good, being engaged, going back to what you said about those surveys. One of the ways to help people feel engaged is to help them feel that they are cared about, that you're genuinely interested in them. And how you listen is one of the most important ways you can convey that to someone. Absolutely. It's a sign of respect. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of respect. And, and, and what I've learned is listening builds trust, yeah. not listening erodes trust. Because Absolutely. there are times when I want to be listened to, and, and so does everybody else. Mark, you know, one of the things I learned to kind of get good at, I guess, kind of intuitively with listening was listening with my eyes, <laughs> meaning facial expressions and body language can can say volumes about how people are feeling or thinking. And so I always, you know, Denny talked about, uh, you know, kind of meeting the moment. That was always kind of my biggest clue about there's a moment here. There's a listening opportunity here because I see Meredith's face has a look of concern, uh, even though her words might not, but her face does, her body expression does. So I'm, I'm going to take that moment and, uh, and find out what's going on. You know, Mark, um, thinking of listening as a skill is uh, maybe a new thought for some people. Sure. But uh, the truth of the matter is that, that oftentimes people, they don't make it easy for you to hear them. That, that they're hard to listen to. Uh-huh. It can be. I mean, Chris, you have to matter of fact, people who are very logical and they almost speak in, in organized paragraphs and that's easy. Yeah. You're going to get the message. But then there are people who are upset or people who uh, have, it's an issue and they care a lot about it and they're coming at you and maybe it, something's happened and they don't always begin in the beginning. You know, they, they may just start uh, in the middle. And then they'll tell you how they feel and then they'll tell a story and then they might digress and then they get back to the beginning. I mean, it's pretty hard to track it. So you, what's the point? What are they trying to say? What, you know, what's the message? And that's hard to get at sometimes, a lot of times with folks. And so you've got to be a very skilled listener to, to get through all of that and really hear them. And of course, like you said, Mark, the payoff is great because they'll feel heard and they'll feel cared about and, and respected if you do it. I, I've worked with people uh, as colleagues and, and as clients that, um, you know, if, if you ask them what time it is, they'll tell you how to build a Swiss watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so it, it does take patience and persistence and intention uh, and sometimes asking the right questions to kind of get them, get them to express, you know, kind of what they want. But, but uh it makes sense to me that listening to understand is first because it's first. It's the first building block. 
Meredith, I'd like to uh, maybe just uh, do a couple more in the time we have left. You're a great encourager. So talk to me a little bit about offering encouragement. Offer encouragement. Okay. Well, what we've outlined in the book, I'll share the four elements of it because these aren't necessarily steps that you do in sequence, but they are aspects to have in mind. And the first one, uh, no surprise, is listening. You know, and also maybe an awareness. It goes back to that. What's the moment? Well, it's when you notice someone seems discouraged or, you know, they've experienced a setback and you know they're disappointed. So you're observing someone who may need encouragement. Yeah. So to simply start out with saying, hey, you don't seem like your normal cheerful self today. What's going on? So you invite them to speak to you and then you get into that listening mode. And from there, as you listen, you might notice, because this often happens if somebody's you know, just had a major disappointment. They're seeing the negatives, they're down on themselves. And so to help them have a, a, a kind of a balanced perspective where they lose sight of their strengths and reminding them, you know, I remember when you had this other situation happen and you did certain things to bounce back, you handled it really well. So you point out things that they may have lost sight of because of where they are mentally. Yeah. And tied in with that is offering a perspective. So that's sort of the third element. It's different from the second one in that people tend to be looking negatively at something. And so you're acknowledging, yeah, you know, this is a tough spot. But there are positives and upsides to it. So let's make sure we take a look at those as well. Yeah. And so, again, asking questions to say, well, what good could come out of this situation? So that they're not totally thinking negative. So it's sort of looking at how can I help them related to how they're seeing themselves and also how they're viewing the situation. And then the fourth step, if you will, the final thing to do is really to ask about providing support to them. So you simply ask a question, how could I best support you right now? What would support look like? So again, you don't make assumptions about how you can be of benefit to them and especially not offering solutions or trying to tell them snap out of it. That is not welcome or helpful for someone that's struggling in a given moment. Yeah, it is not. Uh, I'll tell you, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I took Denny's cue, I was listening. <laughs> um, that is all these and what you were just talking about is so relevant today with this COVID thing uh, and virtual workplaces, people working from home. And some people, it's a piece of cake working from home. But for others, it's very difficult, you know, who are trying to uh, juggle working and children and, uh, and, and a spouse who's fighting for office space because they're working from home too. And so some people uh, I've seen just with my clients that are really, really struggling with this. So listening is really even more critical. Encur all these things that you're talking about, encouragement is even more critical and really tuning in to, to those who are struggling because it's not as easy to pick up virtually. So we kind of have to work at it even a little bit more in this virtual environment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so just in the spirit of time, let's uh, let me throw this last one to Denny. The last one uh, is resolve conflict creatively. Denny, I think I was in the workplace for 20 years before I ever went to a class on conflict resolution. And I don't see it done very well in the workplace. And for much of my career, I wasn't very good at it until I learned how to do it. So talk to me a little bit about how we get better at this. Okay. Well, there's a core concept in this technique, uh, and that is uh, that there's a big difference between what you want and what you need. Yeah. In other words, why do you want that? What need does that fulfill for you? And so that's an interesting thing to get into because people demand things and they could be in conflict. Now, I can't do that. I can't go there. I'm not going to do that. This is what has to happen. So now you have a conflict. And so you tend to resolve it by saying, okay, fine, you want this, but talk to me about why you want it. And then you, then you listen. You see, listening comes, you have to do a good job of that to get at the need. And then you say, well, okay, I think I've heard you. You need this. And that's a good connection right there. And then you say, well, I told you that, that I wanted this, but let me explain why. What I really need. And you might say something like, well, I want to make sure that we don't spend our entire budget on this project. That's my need. That's why I said what I said. And so then what you do is you say, well, I think there may be a way to meet your needs and mine too at the same time. Let's do a little mini brainstorm here and see if we can come up with a third option that meets your needs and my needs at the same time. And so you do that and sometimes a person will have trouble getting into that creative space. And so you say, well, well, let me start. So you offer you an idea and they'll, they'll say, well, wow, wow, that's fantastic. I love that. Or they say, well, I don't know. And you say, well, you offer an idea. And so you get this back and forth until you find an option that's actually acceptable to both. And it works. It does. Actually, the name of my company, my wife's my company, is called Third Way Inc. And that's exactly the spirit of Third Way is let's find a better way. You know, uh, because we go into these conversations where I'm stuck in what I want and you're stuck in what you want and Meredith's convicted about what she wants. And and we just have a brawl, you know, a verbal brawl. Right. Rather than just going into it with the mindset of let's find something that works for all of us. So I, I love that idea of what's the third alternative here. But but we do have to start sometimes because it's not an easy thing to get into if we're really you know, if we're really uh, dressed for battle in coming to that meeting. Uh, so just to wrap up, we could do this for an hour, uh, Denny and Meredith. So w Meredith, what's kind of the punchline that you'd like the listeners to understand about this book and how they might use it? I think the key thing is relationships are everything. <laughs> <laughs> They're the key to how you get your own work done and help others get their work done so you get the results, the outcomes that are needed for success in whatever business you're involved in. Yeah. And so understanding that it isn't just about people putting their nose down to the grindstone and just, you know, getting it done, it's that there can be real joy and enjoyment 
when relationships are positive and people are interacting in a way that's supportive of each other. And I think a key aspect of this book is that we're very big on creating what we call a coaching environment. And that's not just on the leader of a team. Everyone can learn how to coach each other. And this book gives the skills that are involved in coaching. It's really a coaching book in many ways, an interpersonal relationship, so that you build strong relationships that then build strong results, positive results for the organization. And the bonus is that these same skills work like gangbusters at home too. They do. You just said something that my wife says all the time to me. And I finally got it that it's all about relationships, isn't it? Whether we're talking about sales or leadership or collaboration or teamwork or personal and family relationships, it really is all about the relationship. So, you know, Mark, I would like to build on what Meredith said. A common concept that's being better understood as we go forward is emotional intelligence. Yeah. And there are many dimensions to emotional intelligence, but the The ability to communicate effectively is one of those. And the impact of it is that people begin to understand he really cares about me or or she respects me. And if you want engagement, you need that. If if the way you're dealing with people uh, turns them off, drives them away, well, how are you going to get engagement in, in a situation like that? So... Being able to communicate effectively is uh, just a huge component of getting engagement. Yeah, we talked a little bit earlier about employee engagement and survey after survey, year after year, decade after decade, literally say that about 70% of people across all industries in North America are not engaged. You know, 30% are engaged, give or take, uh, and 70 are either not engaged or actively disengaged. And really, what as I look at these skills, these are the skills that drive engagement. That's right. Uh, and so I just highly recommend this book to anybody who's a new manager or, or an individual contributor that wants to up their game in terms of communication skills. If I were back in the corporate environment, I'd have all my team members reading this book and we'd be doing a mastermind around it because these are the critical skills to to building a team and, and really to performing. So Meredith and Denny, thank you for your time. Where can people find this book? It's on Amazon, connect with your team. And that's probably the easiest way okay. to locate it is there. Our website is growstrongleaders.com. Okay. All right. Well, Meredith Bell and Denny Coach, thank you for your time. I'd love to talk for another hour, but this is a great start, and I encourage folks to get a hold of your book. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Real Business in Real Time with executive coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Be sure to connect with Mark Hinderleiter on LinkedIn, check out his leadership tip of the week, and subscribe to this podcast on the app of your choice. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.